You're listening to the Kindred 360 Podcast with your hosts, Pastor Rod Idle, Matt Smith, and Lindsay Terry. The Kindred 360 Podcast is an extension of Kindred Church in Midlothian, Virginia. At Kindred, we help people find their purpose. We believe that God designed us to be surrounded by others who love and care for us. We call this your tribe. We invite you to be part of our tribe today, so enjoy the fun, inspiration, and introspection. All in today's episode of Kindred 360. Now, Pastor Rod Idle. Hey, welcome everybody to the Kindred 360 podcast. It's good to have you with us today. Today we are in downtown Midlothian at Studio 77. Set, what? 77. I'll get it out in a second. All right. And uh, it's good to have you here. Everybody, we got the same old clan here. Say hey, Matt. How you doing, everyone? All right. How's Lindsay Lou. Mike. What's up? And we still have Chris here, although he's not at a mic. He's playing on his phone. So it's good to have you guys here sharing with us. This is our Kindred 360 podcast for Easter, and I'm pretty pumped about it. We got a big weekend ahead of us at Kindred, and I hope you're excited about it. I hope you're going to be joining us uh, this weekend because we have uh, a goal, a couple goals. One of them is to have 200 people at our church. Pretty pumped about that. Matt, we got some special things going on on that day, don't we? Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. We're excited. We, uh, man, we're going to two services. This is the first time that we're doing that, and uh, the services are nine ten forty five, and um, and so we're excited about that. Uh, we've got, uh, we're renting the coffee shop next door, and that's where our welcome space is going to be. And so we're actually having uh, Dan, the owner, is letting us. Uh, um, he's giving us a couple of his employees, and so we're actually going to be serving their coffee. Hot and fresh, and um, so that'll be really cool. It, I'm I'm excited. We've, we're going to have a cool vibe that morning, and kids will be back upstairs, and uh, and so it should be exciting. Yeah, it's going to be a good day. We're going to have two services. That's not the beginning of something new for us yet as far as we're planning. Yeah, that's but right. But just for Easter, um, unless the Lord um, uh, adds to our number quickly, uh, but it's going to be a fun day. Nine and ten forty-five. Uh, we're gonna have. Um, listen, I wanted to say something about the coffee shop. By the way, when you talked about the two employees, name is Danny and Alex. Um, two really nice young yeah. people that work there. So when you go in there, call them by name, Danny and Alex, and and um, introduce yourself and and make them feel appreciated for what they're doing for us on Easter. So it's <laughs> I thought you were cool. gonna say and freak them out. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, like oh, you're Danny and Alex. Hi, Danny. Oh. And he's like, I don't have my name tag. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think uh I think that they just need to know that they're appreciative for doing this for yeah, us. And, absolutely. And uh we sure are excited about um the opportunities. Dan, the owner of the coffee shop, um, has given us to use it. So hey, you guys uh if you paid attention to the news at all this past week, you know that there was uh, a tragedy of sorts in, in Paris, France, where the Notre Dame Cathedral caught fire and uh, a lot of damage was done. Did you guys see that on, yes. on TV? Did you yeah. see the videos of Who it? Yes. Yeah. yeah, that was something, wasn't it? And um, uh, we have a little news clip we'll play for you first, and then I'll just give you some stats about the church. So, Mike, you want to cue up the news clip there? Welcome to CBS this morning. We're talking about one of the great symbols of Paris and all of Western civilization. It is still standing this morning after a fire that nearly destroyed it. Flames brought down the spire and much of the roof at Notre Dame Cathedral yesterday. 
And think about this, it's the start of Holy Week. This morning, the fire is out and prayers and offers of help are coming in from all around the world. The cathedral's main altar is covered in debris right now, but much of the historic interior appears to be okay, and that's great news. The fire started during a major renovation project. Seth Doan is outside Notre Dame right now in the heart of Paris, a familiar sight to millions of Americans. Seth, this is tough, good morning. Good morning. The Paris prosecutor is saying that they are working under the belief that this fire was started by an accident and there are around 50 people working on the investigation. Paris today is stunned, is heartbroken, and newspaper writers have been trying to put those emotions into words. This headline reads tears. This one reads disaster. As vicious flames engulfed the 850-year-old masterpiece of Gothic architecture, France's president said a part of us. It was quite a tragedy there in France. It was uh, something. If you see the video clips, you'll see the the flames, the fire. It was quite engulfing. Did a lot of uh, damage that they're going to have to rebuild. I heard that. Um, I think it was the prime minister that said he wanted it done in five years, and an architect said could it it could take a couple decades. Quite a quite a scene. I got some stats for you, Matt. You told me that or maybe it was Mike, told me that Google did a... Yeah, last year they did a um, like a 3D rendering of the cathedral inside and out. Well, that, that I'm sure that that's going to help them when the, in the reconstruction of it. I'm sure they can't match it all, obviously. But they can do like measurements and things like that. So. They can do all the measurements and things like that, yeah. And... and I heard that the wood in the ceiling was the original wood. That's right. That's what I was reading in an article, that it was the original wood and that it was the only major cathedral in France that had not uh, had uh, that uh, replaced at this wow. point. Yeah. You know, despite all the wars and wow. you know, whatever. That's so. an 850-year-old church. Yeah. And that's the original wood in the ceiling. Unbelievable. Um, you know, it had a bell. And the bell was called the Emmanuel Bell, yeah. um, and it was put in there uh, in uh, 1681. So what is that, f uh, f 350 years ago? I heard it was actually in there earlier, and in 1681 it was recast. At oh, that is that point. what it was? Yeah. Okay, 28,000 pounds, 14 oh, tons gosh. worth of bell right wow. there. <laughs> That's a big bell. That's cool. Uh, the uh, what's some of the so many sad things the the stained glass was original yeah twelve hundreds you know it's interesting about the stained glass too I was listening this morning to another podcast and he was talking about this that originally the stained glass was put in and the way it was done was for people uh, who couldn't read to understand the Bible through picture is yeah. that Isn't right that beautiful yeah. that is really really cool yeah. I love that. Mm -hmm. Well, there's so many things about it that were just, I mean, it's a very sad story. They said that it, right now they think it's an accident. Many people didn't realize that there was construction going on now. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, But many people feel like uh, it was an accident. But uh, I'll tell you, if you get a chance, uh, hop on the news and or YouTube or whatever, you'll be able to see. Uh, the tragic fire, but I am sure at the same time they'll be documenting the rebuilding and and things like that of it too. So um, it's going to take years to get it um, back into 
uh, where people can walk through it and things like that. So um, quite a, I don't even know, is it still a functioning church? Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Because uh, one of the things that I appreciate about it, you know, you get different takes and I saw some people who were saying, well, it's just like a museum. It's fine. But no, it's, it has still been holding mass and uh and doing weddings and and traditional stuff which i I thought was really cool you know i just think it's fantastic that's something that has become such a popular historical landmark hadn't lost its original mission or thought of you know no we're still here to offer mass and we're still here very cool to reach out to people yeah you know it's it's not owned by the catholic church did you know that i was reading it's actually owned by france they just let the Catholic Church use it. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. So um, really cool, um, really cool uh, history. And um, I just hope and pray that they can get back into rebuilding it and things like that. I uh, Stuff like that amazes me. We never realize how young our country is until you go to other countries. I yeah. mean, here they have a church 850 years old. Yeah. And, you know, we've been around for 250 years, you yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's not, a lot of times we think, oh my gosh, I mean, I'm when I lived in Northern Virginia, you drive through villages, we had a village by us, and it's called Waterford, and I remember it was established in like, I don't know, 1687, something like that, and you'd think, wow, that's so old, and if you think about it, you go to countries like this, and they're like, "What are you kidding? Our Pizza Hut was established, <laughs> you know." Yeah, and it's amazing to me um, uh, the how young we are, and how much real history is truly out there. I remember going through Panama, walking through some of their Catholic churches that were built in the 1300s, you know, and um, just just amazed at the structure. I, I've never been to Paris, so obviously I've never seen the uh, Notre Dame Cathedral, but I can only imagine when you see pictures how massive it was. Our very own uh, Savannah Spradlin was just there a few weeks ago, Yeah, and um, uh, she just saw it just a few weeks ago. So uh, how cool, how cool it would be to, to see something like that. So um, I hope and and pray that they can get that construction underway and get that fixed up again. That that uh, that's a national, actually, uh, it's a worldwide landmark. I mean, yeah. truthfully, that actually proves the like the denominations that came in in less than twenty four hours and raised seven hundred ninety million dollars. Yeah, how much? Seven hundred ninety. Yes. Wow. All across the world, people have contributed. How much? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Maybe. No, I won't start a fire. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, I'll take $7.9 million. <laughs> we'll be good. But uh, no, uh, good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Well, we have with us today one of my favorites of all time, Nestor the Mailman. Nestor, take it away, buddy. Hello, Kindred 360 family. It's Nestor, your mailman, delivering your Bible verse for the week, which comes from Philippians 3, verses 13 through 14. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Until next time, press on. 
All right. Thank yeah, you, Nestor. Man. I think that dude is awesome. So good stuff. We appreciate it, and we certainly are pressing on. So thanks, Nestor. We appreciate it, buddy. Well, as I said, we we have Easter uh, this weekend, and I'm excited Woo-woo. about it. Today uh, is um, uh, our... Do they have a does, does the Passion Week have a statement for Wednesday is today? I thought that uh, was we can look Thursday. It up. Monday, Thursday. Yeah. I'm trying to think. And Good Friday. Um, I don't know. I Matt, wondered Matt about can, that. Matt what can is look there? it up real quick? Um, but while you're looking that up, this is the Passion Week, it's called. But actually, did you guys know that this is not the Orthodox Easter? week next week is next week is next week is the one and that's why uh we're having ari with us that's one of the mm-hmm. reasons we're getting ari to come out and uh ari halbin and he's with chosen people ministries you've heard us talking about it and so he's coming out and uh next week next wednesday and looking forward to him sharing with us about the passover meal and uh, teaching us through uh, the Word of God in that way. So looking forward to Ari. That's Wednesday at 6.30. Yes. And uh, it's going to be a great time together. But this weekend is the American Easter weekend, and um, I'm excited about it. You know, one thing I don't usually do, as you guys have can attest to by working with me, is I don't usually put out number goals. Um, I never do. It's never been anything that um, I have thought much about. Um, you've heard me say before that, you know, my goal is to get people to come to Jesus Christ and what those numbers are. Um, I don't dictate. It's it's God who makes things grow. But we decided to put out a number goal this weekend for Easter, and that's 200 people. And we've done different things. We've got invite cards. We've got uh, signs in the yard and things like that. And all of that is good stuff. To have goals and things like that is really good stuff. To have celebratory times, you know. I know when we had our own property, this church used to do egg hunts. I remember, um, in fact, you guys had just moved here, and I yep. saw pictures of Judah and Eli Yep. Hunting eggs and yeah. things like that out at the out at the property. Matt, you had a big role in that. Yeah. I remember uh It was got, a lot of fun. Yeah. Stuffing the eggs full of candy and all that kind of stuff and getting them ready and and uh, then we had a little cookout and just kind of hung out at the uh that was when we had the ministry center there on Lux Lane. So um all of that stuff is good. Everything that you do in that is pointing toward Easter, that's really good. But I think what I want to talk about today is not just the things that we do. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, we would hunt for a basket in the morning. Did you guys do that Sunday morning? Well, I know you did, yeah. Lindsay. But Matt, did you guys have baskets that you would hunt for as kids? Yeah, or? we didn't do a hunt, but they just would be laid out. And as as you guys, as I've mentioned before, I'm one of a million kids. And so let me tell you, it was quite a display. We'd come out and on the dining room table would just be like six baskets and it was awesome. I mean, it's just, and yeah. everybody's like, yeah. Right, right, right. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and did you guys have a traditional Easter meal? Yeah, we did. We'd, uh, we'd, we'd get up, we'd get our baskets, we'd go on to church and then afterward it'd, it'd be just some nice meal. As a matter of fact, even, even now, even till today, our, our, my family gets together and I just got an invite from my sister Joy, which, which I'll give her a shout out. She knows I can't come, but she invites me every year just to to say, "Hey, I'm still thinking about you." So even cool. still today, my family's going to get together and they'll do, you know, some nice meal. So. Cool, very cool. Well, you know, 
uh, we we raised our kids uh, with Easter Sunday. We didn't. We had baskets and we actually hid them in the house, didn't we? Yep. And you guys would go around looking for. It. We didn't have like a typical meal, but we always had some meal on Easter together. Of course, we like to eat every Sunday together, but uh, you know, a lot of families always have ham or always have something in specific. And I think we didn't. I don't think we had anything particular Sometimes every year. Sometimes we would do ham, but it wasn't like every single year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. All those traditions are good. All those things are important. Many churches have traditions, you know. You, you, they have a Good Friday service, and they have, uh, you know, multiple services on Easter, and they have uh, certain things, lilies in the sanctuary and all that kind of stuff, and they have certain traditions, and all that is good. But I think one of the things that I think is so important when we talk about Easter is coming around to really uh, the effect of Easter yeah. on our lives. And I yeah. think one of the best ways to do it is to look at the effect, the immediate effect Jesus had on the lives of those around him, okay, after the resurrection. And so I was studying this morning for my sermon, and truthfully, until this morning, I didn't know what I was going to talk I knew I was going to talk about Easter, but I didn't know what I was going to talk about. And I got to reading the different encounters Christ had after his resurrection. And of course, there are the road to Emmaus, and the Bible tells us, Paul tells us that he, he nearly 500 people he had encounters with, all that kind of stuff. But there were three that I kind of wanted to just touch on today and get your thoughts on. The first one was when Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome on Sunday morning went to prepare Jesus. You remember, of course, they couldn't prepare him uh, after the crucifixion because it was the Sabbath. So they just wrapped him, put him in there, put him in the tomb, and they thought they would come back. And they're questioning as they're walking down who will move the stone away for him, things like that. And when they got there, if you look at Mark chapter 16, you'll see that an angel was there. And an angel said, why do you look for the living among the dead? Mm -hmm. He's not here. He is risen. Now go tell the others. And the Bible says that these three women ran to go tell the disciples, and it talked about how they were confused, all right? Yeah. And I thought, you know, a lot of times understanding um, the power of something like a resurrection, the amazingness of, of a body coming back to life, needless to say, would cause a lot of confusion. And here were three ladies who knew Jesus more than any. I'm sure that they heard Jesus talk about, um, you know, tear down this temple and it'll be raised up in three days, all that kind of stuff, and, and heard this teaching. But they obviously didn't have a total understanding. But then there's part of that story that's kind of cool. As they're running back, who do they encounter but Jesus? And the Bible says that when they recognized him, they fell at his feet and they worshiped him. I thought, what a great story. And I really feel like one of the things that is possible um, is to be have your eyes opened and to be... Um, I guess to to have confusion blown away when you encounter Christ here. That's what I liked when I saw this. Is like it cleared up everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Everything got straightened out. Got like oh, the lights all went. This is what he was talking about. 
You know what I mean? And to me, that was an amazing, amazing interaction that we often just blow by. And that is the amazing interaction of Jesus clearing everything up for these ladies. The confusion, the fear, whatever they had. Yeah. And here they encounter Christ and all of that goes away. I hope and pray that when we talk about Easter, we help people encounter Christ in order to have their confusion of their life, you know, cleared up. Yeah. There's another encounter I thought was awesome was the disciples. While these ladies are out to prepare, what are the disciples doing? You remember? They're hiding. They're hiding. And yeah, right? They were afraid. And the Bible even says they were afraid of the Jews. Now, the reason they were afraid of the Jews, they figured if they did it to Jesus, they're going to do it to them, right? Mm -hmm. And so fear had overtaken them. Just like confusion can cause us to not see God well or not understand God well, fear can often do that as well. Don't you agree? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, fear, we, we, we have our eyes on the circumstances. That's where the disciples were, right? They were looking at their environment. They weren't remembering the things of God. I don't think they were remembering or they fully understood. There was something there. There was a problem. I don't know what it was, whether the current situation caused them to forget Jesus talking about resurrection or, you know, that they had just never understood it. What do you guys think? Do you think they ever fully understood the idea of resurrection? I don't know. I, I don't think so. I mean, how could you? You know, I mean, it, yes, they saw him bring up Lazarus, call him forth out of the tomb. And so, I mean, they were familiar with the concept, but I just have to think, you know, in the same way that the ladies were so confused, then they saw Jesus and, they, and it clicked. I just don't think it, it clicked in their minds until they saw him. And then they were like, oh, okay. Because, you know, I mean, you know, churches have talked about all the time about the the expectation that they were looking for of a of a, a political leader, a, a, you know, uh, that type of leader who's going to bring freedom from the Romans and things like that. And so I, I personally don't think so. What do you think, Lindsay? I mean, I don't know. If it were me, I wouldn't have got it because I would think, yes, I've seen him raise people from the dead, but who raises themselves from the dead? Yeah. You know, yeah. so. Even when he raised like Tabitha or whatever, you know, you look at those things and you say, I can get that because he's a miracle worker. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But there was no doubt he was flesh. He was human being. And to see him crucified would oftentimes, you know, or would, would make you think like, well, that's the end of that, right? I mean, yeah. you, would, yeah. you wouldn't think. Well, and that's a serious trauma. They're losing your best friend and someone that you thought was your savior. You mm -hmm. know, this yeah. is the Messiah. And it not go the way that in your head it was going to happen. And so it would feel, I would think you would feel like your entire world crumbled. And so that would be hard to think beyond the locked door they were hiding behind, you know? Right. And I wonder, you know, I just read recently, you know, the interaction uh, with Peter and Jesus and, you know, in the courtyard and, and Peter denies them and the rooster crowing and all of that. And what impact did that have on the disciples? I mean, there's no doubt that Jesus looked to Peter, that the other disciples looked to Peter uh, in some type yeah, of leadership sure. role. Whether It wasn't right. ne necessarily right. established, but it was there. And that dude, I mean, how do you betray, you know, you know, think about it right now in my own sin. How do you betray your, your Savior? How do you betray someone 
who has loved you and has been so good to you, has Mm. called you so deeply Mm. into so much goodness in your life, and then move forward confidently. I know when I have allowed rebellion and sin in my life, it's difficult to be a good pastor. It's difficult to minister to others. And I just wonder, not, not just Peter himself, obviously was not in a good space at that point. And, and Jesus had to call him out and restore him on the beach later as we read. But, you know, I wonder what that does to the other guys. I mean, mm-hmm. like, you know, as we were talking yesterday at staff meeting, you know, we have the ability to, to raise each other up. And conversely, you know, as a staff, you know, we have the ability to pull each other down. And right. that's why there's such great accountability here. And I think probably, yeah, Peter wasn't the one who was ready to say, come on, guys, hey, we can get out of this or it's still good. You know, I, I don't know. I wonder what that would have done to them as well as well, a group. I, I think that, you know, there were a lot of things going through their head. I'm sure they also had confusion like the three women who went to yeah. the tomb. Yeah. Uh, you know, what are we going to do now? In fact, there's even a disc- recorded discussion about that and and some of them decided to go back to fishing. Um, but, you know, it wasn't until... Here's what was interesting. You know, Jesus showed up in the upper room, right? And it says that he appeared among them. And then the Bible gives us, which I'm not going to get long into, but always one of my most challenging stories, because as Jesus got in there, he stood among them, and then the Bible says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And I thought... There's something theologically challenging to me on that. But Jesus was in a new state. He was in a resurrected state, all right? And so anyway, what you see is Jesus coming in and kind of starting to restore the guys, and he blew the Holy Spirit in there because soon afterwards he said, listen, you're going to go out into all the world, all right? And uh, so I, I thought that was cool. But then... There was one story in there that kept going on, and that was Thomas. In fact, it lasted for more than a week after the resurrection. In fact, the Bible says eight days later, Jesus encountered Thomas, and Thomas was existing with doubts, and Jesus already knew it. And what did Jesus do? He didn't scold him. He said, go ahead, touch my hands, see my side, right? He met the the he satisfied what Thomas needed at that moment, yeah. just like he satisfied the women, you know, at the at the tomb, just like he satisfied the afraid disciples upstairs in the room, and then he satisfies the doubting Thomas uh, uh, a few days later. He brought a conclusion to their lives. In other words, he said, "Listen, I'm going to satisfy what you're struggling with right now." So here's my point in all this. I, there's a lot of great stories surrounding the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And probably these are three of my favorite encounters. And I think the reason is, is because I believe God still offers those things to us today. I believe God still can satisfy the confusion of our lives. Many people are confused about Jesus. Many people are confused, especially in our world today. You know, I was um, reading. Uh, I was reading a bunch of different blogs on Easter and all that kind of stuff. And one of the things, as I was going through, I was also reading news articles, and I read this one news article that I thought was quite interesting. I can't remember the senator's name, but he's put something proposal before the Congress or whatever 
And basically, he's saying we need to change our money from in God we trust to in Allah we trust. And obviously, it's getting a lot of pushback right now. But here's my point. The enemy's desire is to confuse us. The enemy's desire is to bring um, disruption into a line of thought, into, and I believe we live in a very confused time when it comes to things of God and who this Jesus is and what how we're supposed to deal with it. And one of the great confusions is Jesus is fine, but he's no better than, yeah. right. right? And I really believe that if people can encounter Christ— if they can have a on the road experience or an upper room experience or whatever, if they can, have, that a lot of their confusion, because God will, will you know, take away the confusion. Jesus will take away the confusion. And sometimes we as a church, we need to understand apologetics and things like that. But sometimes we try to step in and take that role. Yeah. And the most important thing we can do is bring them into an encounter with Christ and allow mm-hmm. Christ to do that. Yeah. If you'll notice when these women went to the tomb, it wasn't like the angels, you know, cleared up everything and said, I know what you're thinking, but he's, and this is where he is. And this, you know, this is what he told you. You know, he, they just simply said, he's risen, go tell the others. And then they encountered, they even had confused, but then they encountered Christ. The same is true of fear. A lot of people, believe it or not, have a fear of knowing God. Mm-hmm. Now that's hard for us to understand because we know him as what all loving and and uh, he shows favor to us and all these kind of things. But a lot of people have a fear of knowing God, and the reason they do, well, for a lot of reasons, but one of them is my life's going to change. Yep, you know, everything's going to be different or whatever. But God, then again, Christ comes in again and he confronts the fear and he satisfies. Um, what it is we need, whatever it is. And I always think sometimes we go in, we try to justify Jesus in people's life. Let me help you know, and and there's nothing wrong with, you know, defending our Savior, but sometimes it's just, again, a need for an encounter with Jesus Mm -hmm. to have their fear satisfied. And finally, of course, is doubt. Boy, doubts are a lot in today's world. And Jesus is the one that's going to satisfy those doubts, too. He's going to be the one that's going to, if they have an encounter with Christ, he's going to satisfy and clear up the doubts they might have. We have to allow Christ to intervene and have this part. What I love about his encounter with Thomas was he didn't scold Thomas for his doubts. He didn't beat him up. He didn't berate him. He didn't say, how could you do this? Let's face it. All of us secretly have doubts at times. Mm -hmm. You know you do. And you sit there. You may not express them. You may not tell anybody else. But you know you're scratching your head going, I wonder if or whatever. And it is an encounter with Christ that you receive that satisfaction, that assurance that you can move forward. Even without knowing everything, right? Right. I when I look at this, I always think, what do people need? If I'm, you know, here I am preaching Sunday, probably my thirtieth Easter sermon, right? I mean, 
uh, holiday sermons are so hard because you're trying to come up with something fresh, you know, but I'm thinking, man, if you can make it simple, I'd just say, listen, whatever you need, Christ has the answer for you. Right. The resurrected Jesus has the answer, right? Yeah. You know, I looked at my life the other day. I was driving to small group, and I was just kind of reviewing my sermon on what I wanted to say, and I was thinking about my life. And the reason I could have confidence in so many things was because of the resurrection. So when I was near financial ruin, I could have confidence that God would love me and God can achieve what I needed to him to achieve or whatever because he he could overcome death he can overcome this when Brad was on his deathbed he could overcome death so he can overcome this when my marriage was in ruins you know and in trouble he could overcome death so he could overcome this mm-hmm. and and the confidence that I had because of the resurrection and I really believe if if there was a way that you could just get people to trust enough to have a kind of like have a meeting with Jesus, you know, just, you just have your meeting with Jesus. I don't have to tell you everything. I don't have to explain it all to you. You have your meeting with God and I promise you your confusion will go away. I promise you your fear will be satisfied. I promise you your doubts will be answered, right? Yeah. That's what I look for at Easter. That's what I hope for at Easter. I love the idea of having 200 people. I love two services. I love what we're doing for our gathering area and for our kids and all that, the specialness that we have. I love that Ari's coming in a few days afterwards and sharing with us all that stuff. But what I really look forward to and what I really pray for and what I really hope for is that people will encounter Christ so that their confusion will be answered, so that their fears will be answered, so that their doubts will be answered, and they can walk confidently from that moment on. Yeah. I mean, those disciples were never the same. Thomas was probably never the same. We don't hear a lot about Thomas, but Thomas was probably never the same again. I'm sure that Mary Magdalene, uh, Mary the mother of James and Salome were never the same again. Their lives changed forever. You know, I was talking with my small group last night. I said, uh, someone brought up about what Chuck Colson said in a book years ago. He said he was part of Watergate, if you don't know who Chuck Colson was. And Chuck Colson said, at that time, 12 men, this 12 of the smartest men in the world, um, did something illegal and tried to keep it a secret, and it lasted three months. And they were all found out, and they all confessed. He said, here, 12 men lived the rest of their life and ultimately died for something that was truth. There's the only way you can describe it is it had to be true, right? Yeah. And so I got I got talking to the group and and um, I said, how many of you have heard that people believe Elvis is alive? And of course everybody said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know people say, oh, I think he's still alive. I think he's still living. All that kind of stuff. And I said, the only people you haven't heard ever say that was the coroner or the doctor or the EMTs that took him to the hospital or whatever. They don't say Elvis is alive. Why? They saw him dead. That's what I see here with these three groups. They saw Jesus die. I think the resurrection had such an amazing impact on their lives because they saw him dead. Yeah. And now he's alive. Now, you can only imagine how their whole life was never the same again. Yeah. And like I said, that's what I hope for on Easter. I hope that people have that encounter because I know their life will never be the same again. 
Well, that's all I got. Do you guys have anything to add to that? I I know that was kind of more um, lecturing than inclusion. <laughs> but uh, I, I, go ahead. I think uh, when you were talking about, you know, the difference between talking about Jesus and defending Jesus and people encountering him, you know, I think we see that example in scripture a lot. You look at John four, the woman at the well, what does she do? She goes back and tells her entire village, come Mm -hmm. meet a man who told me everything I've ever done. Mm. And the whole town was saved. Why? Not because she just told them this story, but because she brought them back to Jesus. Mm. You meet him. Mm. When the disciples, you know, and is it in the first chapter of John or the second chapter, they have like, what is it? A Matthew party is Mm -hmm. what some people refer to. They went and got other people come meet Jesus. And so I think we need to grow in that, in our relationship with God and and reaching out to other people. Not let me just have an intellectual conversation with you about Jesus. Let me bring you to him. You Mm -hmm. listen to what he says. You hear his heart for you. Mm -hmm. And that's what really makes changes in people's lives, I think. Well, I promise you, if you're out there and you're thinking about bringing a friend this weekend, a neighbor or whatever, to help us hit our 200 goal, that they will hear a message about Jesus, and they will be encouraged to have an encounter with Christ at Mm -hmm. the end of the service. So I promise you, if you've been wanting to see a loved one, a friend, a neighbor, whatever, uh, have that encounter with Jesus, that's what Sunday is going to be about. We're going to try to encourage people and... I'm talking a little bit about my personal life on the difference he's made. This is why it makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the only thing I feel like I can do is give a personal testimony to this is why it makes a difference. This is what happened. You know? So that's what we want. That's what our desire is, is to to introduce people to Jesus and let Jesus do the work in their hearts and yeah. lives. And you know what? I, I, I'll, I'll throw this thought out there as well. I know I've even heard from a couple of people since we've been talking about this 200 uh, push uh, goal. And um, one of the things that I keep hearing is, yeah, I'm going to invite them, but they're not going to come. You know, I think in the same way that in the conversion moment, you have to trust in God. I think you have to trust Jesus the the 99th, the 100th, the 1,000th time you've brought it up to your friend or your family member. Jesus does the heavy lifting there yeah. as well. Yeah, it's That's not good. you. And so, you know, I, I know some of our our friends and some of our listeners. Uh, you know, I've they've expressed that to me, and I just sure. would say. That's that might be true all the way up until the moment where it happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, and word. there's how many times has Jesus yeah. just slapped someone, and we don't know what God's been doing in people's lives, and He's going to bring about a divine appointment for you in that moment. Yeah. He's already set up all this infrastructure for just you to hit that final, you know, make that final little push. And so let me just encourage everyone, you know, even as you're inviting, as you're sharing the gospel, it's not you, it's not your clever, you know, words. It's right. it's, it's, it's Jesus doing the heavy lifting then as well. All right. Good word. Good word. Well, thanks for sharing with us. We hope you'll be with us this weekend. That's for sure. It's going to be a good, good Sunday. Uh, man, I heard... Uh, my wife practicing some of the music and listening to some of the music we're going to be singing this Sunday. It's going to be an awesome, awesome set. 
And uh, I hope that you come out and enjoy your time with us. Uh, Matt, oh, by the way, just one last thing. I know Lindsay's going to hit on this. 9 and 10.45. 9 and 10.45. You can't hear that enough. I know Lindsay's going to hit on it again later. But 9 and 10.45 on Sunday. Those are our two service times. Matt, you have some hot topics for us. Tell us a little bit about that. You know what time it is? It's time for the hot topics. That's right. Number one, we have to talk about the Masters. Uh, Rod, I know you were watching. Lindsay, you hear about this guy? It's it's kind of a nobody. I mean, I never really heard of him. I don't know. Last I saw, he was ranked 1199th. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Uh, That's right. We're talking about Tiger Woods. And let me tell you something. This is just so mind-blowing to me. I was looking at it. It's been 11 years since his last major championship. I mean, this dude has gone through multiple back surgeries, the whole scandal with his, uh, with his wife and the divorce. And I mean, this guy has been through so much and here he is, he clocked in uh, his 15th major. And so he currently stands at 81 PGA titles, 15 majors, and this is his fifth masters. Yeah. And how cool is it that this dude who we all wrote off, I, I thought he was done. Mm-hmm. I think he even thought he was done. A couple and, years ago, he did. He, yeah. he thought for sure. Yeah, that's right. Right before the the uh, what was the spinal fusion surgery? That yeah. one. And so you know he thought he was done, and here he is again. Talk about redemption! And uh, my favorite moment was uh, him running and giving his son a hug. Uh, and the report I saw was him winning his first one, and he runs and gives his dad a hug. Right. And now this time he's running and yeah. hugging his son. Right. And I just thought, man, what a really cool, what a special moment. Right. And uh, so now here we are. We're back at the conversation. Is is he going to pass? Uh, is he going to get to number nineteen? Is he going pass to pass Jack Nicholas? Is he going to pass Jack Nicholas? It's a lot of work to do. I that's mean, a lot. Fifteen. Jack Nicholas won eighteen. Yeah. Um, four more majors. I mean, he's only forty three, but um, I don't know. I I tell you, he made a believer out of me. I. I used to love Tiger, and then, of course, he kind of fell off the map, and I felt like, man, they're paying attention to him That's for right. a lot of nothing. And I I remember telling a buddy of mine, you know, I could see him winning a John Deere Classic or something, but I don't think yeah. he'll ever win another major. That's you know, right. And then he comes out. So he, he made a believer out of me. I was so impressed with him Sunday. Of course, we didn't get to see a lot of it. They moved up the tee times to early morning to beat the weather. So I only got to see the last probably six holes or so. Yeah. But um, it was impressive. Um, uh, Even the way he handled 18 with a bogey, it it was impressive. And I give him a lot of credit. He came back and and knocked that ball out of the park. But I will tell you this. He may know how to win, but he's still one of the most boring interviews I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) That guy... He is so boring. I right. mean, you don't get entertained out of him or anything. If it's not about him, he doesn't smile and everything. But the dude can play golf, and they're not out there yeah. to make a bunch of buddies. They're out there to win golf tournaments, and that's what he did. Um, that was pretty stinking impressive. Yeah. That, re- that really was. Um, I was rooting for, um, of course, my my favorite is Jordan Spieth, and my all-time favorite is Phil Mickelson. Yeah. Um, but, uh, they both played well. They, they came around, Jordan started out rough. So he had a hard time. Phil Mickelson was just right around the 
one under, two under stuff all the way through. But not bad for a 48-year-old dude playing right. that round either. So, yeah, that was pretty cool about Tiger. That was, it, like I said, it, I remember just probably a year ago, two years ago, telling somebody on the golf course, they said, do you think Tiger will ever win a, a, champ, a major again? I said, no way. Yeah. I said, I could see him win some podunk little tourney. But nah, and man, he he stepped up. It was pretty, and that was as good as I've seen him in years. I yeah. mean, he was hitting fairways and uh, pretty impressive. Yeah, pretty yeah, impressive. absolutely. And um, and so yeah, so I just I love it. Talk about redemption, and um, man, just what a what a killer thought. When yeah. you think you're done in life on something, nope, nope, you you, you might not be. You might be kind of like the University the of biggest, Virginia, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean. <laughs> Talk about man, talk about a turnaround, right? <laughs> yeah, that's Jeez, right. Whiz, man, losing to UMBC last year, first round, coming back, winning it all. Yeah, I love Lindsay's face right now. If someone could see Lindsay's, she's like, <laughs> no clue. <laughs> Deer in the I, I, I will say, I watched Tiger Woods win his first Masters when he was 18, was it? No, he's a little bit older than that, but. That was in 1997. So what is that? 22 years ago. Yeah. And he's 43, so he's 21. We lived in Colorado, and I remember being excited because this really, really young kid was doing something really cool. Not that I really followed golf. I was like in third grade. We were all but excited. It was cool. We it was such it. A, well, it was cool. a neat the experience. The hype then was insane. Yes. And yeah. so to see him come back is is really a neat thing. The, the fact the the fact that he can still push the needle and through his all those awful years. I know what you're saying. Like there's so many fun golfers out there. Really great guys. And uh, but even the fact that when he was awful. I mean, let's just call it for what it, he was awful. And ratings would still spike anytime he was on the course. I mean, that just goes well, back to the hype of let me tell how you, intense it was initially. Let me tell you, a lot of those guys out there competing against him now started golfing because of Tiger. That's right. That's right. And so uh, I, I, I'm i not sure he's going to have quite the pull that he did then. All right. But he's still going to push kids to play golf. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, you know... There's no doubt he's one of the great. I still think Jack Nicholas is the greatest yeah. ever. I mean, I got to see Jack Nicholas play toward the end of his career, but uh, I think he's the greatest ever. But um, Tiger, there's no doubt he's he's a close second a guy. Absolutely. Guy, and to do what he's done, like you said, stinking amazing. Well, Rod, all this has been exciting, but you know what time it is. Tell me what time it it's is. It's time to get even hotter. That's <laughs> right. Our even hotter topic. Hotter topic. You are a dork. You know that, right? You know that. So. Hey, listen. Hey, Mike actually put me onto this, and I'm actually, normally I'm the not excited tech guy, but I'm actually pretty excited about this. Today is actually a day where you can pre-order uh, the Samsung Galaxy Fold. It's a brand new... Uh, Man, what do you call it? A phone or a tablet? A phablet. And um, <laughs> I think you just made a hashtag. I, I, I did. Hashtag phablet, everybody. <laughs> and so that's um, funny. Um, and so, anyways, this thing is coming out. If you haven't uh, heard anything about it, I hadn't heard of it. And I'm, well, for the price, I'm not going to get one. But dag on, if this thing doesn't look cool, um, this thing uh, it's it's coming out today. You can pre-order it, and uh, it's called the Galaxy Fold. And what it is is imagine uh, like a, an, an iPad mini, almost type size uh, tablet. Uh, the uh, It's about, uh, I got it right here, 118 millimeters wide by 100, 
60 millimeters length. Sorry. We live in America. I know, but they don't have that. I don't have that. I'm even saying it. I'm like, guys, I don't know what that is. Okay. But it's a 7.3 inch display. So it's the size of this table? That's kind of big. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're done. We don't follow the metric. Sorry to our listeners anywhere else. If you put your hands together like you're praying and then open your hands together where your palms are on touching each side, that's the size of the when it opens up. Here's the church. This is how Mine I pray. Mine is vastly smaller than everybody else's <laughs> in this room. This is how I pray. So man, that's huge. Um, so imagine a, like an an, an an like a just a little bit smaller iPad Mini uh, tablet, and um, and anyways, and then it folds right in half, and you can use it as a phone. You can use it as a tablet. It it's amazing. Uh, we were looking at uh, the unboxed uh, what's his what's his name unbox therapy the unbox therapy video to video and it is amazing what's cool about it is when it's closed uh you can it's got a display on the front and you're going through you're navigating you're doing what you got to do and let's say you're watching a video and you open that thing right up and there you go i mean a huge display i mean instantaneous it looks crisp it looks clear uh what's cool about it is it's got all the bells and whistles it records and uh 4k uh, not only that, it's got five cameras on this bad boy and, uh, for why, for why, for anything, whatever you want. Listen, a food I'm, setting. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. It's got all these like settings for the camera. One Can of them you is do for your food. own MRI scan. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, man, it's, it's got uh, ultra wide, wide and a normal, normal, uh, why'd telephoto. You, why'd you look at me on that? Ultra wide. So well, we can that, get rotted in one <laughs> shot. Yeah, hold on, Ronnie. Let me get my wide camera. <laughs> and so, anyways, this thing, uh, this thing comes out today. What, what do you guys think about it? Would you, are y'all interested price. in it? Tell them what the yeah, price. Yeah, I want to know for what the it low, is. low price. Oh mercy, Lindsay. Guess you haven't heard yet. How twelve hundred dollars? <laughs> Keep on going. Oh my gosh, two thousand dollars. It is eighteen hundred bucks oh, for this bad gosh. boy. Isn't that insane? Oh my gosh, that hurts I, to There's hear. no stinking way in no. a cabillion years that Unless I'd it can ever also drive me to the store. $1,800 on a phone, but it will sell like crazy, it I will. know. Listen, the cool thing about that to me is like when you were telling me about it, I was envisioning like two phones hooked together when it's open. So there's like the line down the middle. Nope. It's not, it's nope. totally seamless. It's bizarro. And it's so, quick too. When you yeah. flip between yeah. the two. So seven. you should check out the YouTube unbox therapy. Yeah. I know this it, is going to shock you guys. I know this is because I'm the techno geek <laughs> of the group, but it did absolutely nothing. For me. <laughs> when I watched the video, the coolest part mm. was the box that came in. And to me, <laughs> yeah, I was really but, cool. Okay. No, Think about when you do your sermons and you use your iPad sometimes. Think yeah. about how you could. I have use it that. all the time. Yeah, think it's about totally how you could have worth that. Eighteen hundred dollars to yeah, open your phone. Okay, Mike, <laughs> go get one. My eyes. I'm actually thinking go about get getting one. a bigger iPad because of my eyes. All right, and I'm not going to get. There's no way eighteen hundred dollars. There's no way. In fact, if someone bought it for me, I'd smack them over the head with it and say, "Take this back. I'll Wait, take the cash." Would you smack him with the open? I, or two? <laughs> <laughs> I just don't understand. I I you're saw paying it. for the nice cameras. Yeah, whatever. I the processing is actually oh yeah, pretty I good. Know. It's a That's computer. And it's yeah, it's it's a tablet yeah. that you can. And the megapixels. I know. It's it's. it's not just, worth it to me. You just solved I'm all the world's problems with five cameras in one phone. 
anyway, to take pictures I of know your food. it's shock. Yeah, to take pictures. There's a certain camera to take picture of food. Please, people. So anyway, maybe if it made food, like if you press something on a button and all of a sudden there was a pizza, I can get behind something $1, like that. $1,800 might be worth it. I don't know. So That's worth but, way more if you can instantaneously have right, pizza. Right, right. I'm paying way more than $1,800. That's something George Jetson yeah, that's You right. know it. So, But anyway... Um, yeah, I saw it. I wasn't as impressed, but I'm glad you guys were. I, you, if it was Apple, you know Mike would have one on order right now, and he'd have an extra one in purple for his wife and all that. So you know that. I know he's having a hard time not getting this. Yes. I know it. I know it. Same you same. should just Make get it believer. and play around with it, and then when you're done, just pass it on. All right. No. Instead of spending $1,800 on a phone, um, tie that to the church <laughs> for something, and we'll be fine. You got anything else, Matt? There you go. No, no, no. I just wonder, Lindsay. You got some news? Share with us what's going on at yeah, Kindred. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard, but on Easter we have two services. So we have week. two services. This yeah. Week? Say what? What times? Yeah, again? nine and ten forty-five. <laughs> in case you're wondering. So 9 so, and 10.45, two services. Yes. Sunday. Now, this Sunday, wow, yes, for crazy. Easter. Just for Easter. Something so, that I, I'm excited about, though, is I've seen some of the cool giveaways that we've got going on for, like, your kids and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. they're so cool. They so, are cute. Stacey I'm excited knocked about, it out of the yes, park. She I'm excited about my kids getting some, and I'm excited about a bunch of other kids getting some and of these really cool things Stacey's put together. So definitely it's... We invited our neighbors, um, and I was like, listen, Jaleesia is going to love it. Like, she's going to love the kids' ministry. It's fun. She's going to hear about Jesus. She's going to get some cool stuff, too. And Cool. And so definitely make sure to be inviting your friends and um, cool. just some fun stuff going along with it. But um, Also, you're going to see Lindsay do... A very special song in the beginning that she might keel over by the end. I might be dead by the time we're done singing it, but... <laughs> she has to do it two times. Well, at least it's Resurrection Actually, Sunday. Actually, four, because two each <laughs> Stop, bro. Oh, yeah. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, I'm excited mercy. about it, you guys. I, I, am I really too. am. Lindsay, I, you always do such a nice job, but I think uh, with Easter... Your band is just, um, you know, you're a little bit fuller and things like that. So I'm excited about it. I know, Matt, you're not going to be playing because you're stationed, aren't you? I'm you, stationed at the coffee shop. But yeah, that's man. all right, man. We've, we've got uh, our friend Missy Blackmore coming in, helping decorate. we got the whole hospitality team lined up and ready to go. Let me tell you, they are excited. I, I awesome. love their attitude right now because awesome. we're asking most of our ministries our volunteers, we, we need to give Double them a time. shout up. Yeah. They're, they're really putting in some time and hours. Like the, the worship team, they're coming in and practicing twice this week in addition to their Sunday morning practice as well. Like they're putting their best foot forward. Our hospitality team, I basically said, I need everyone right. to work. I mean, right. the entire team. You're, you're we're, We have a rotation. Everybody here, I know the, the security team is doing the same thing. I mean, we've got a lot of people. I, actually, I don't know many... Uh, of our attenders who were not doing something. And yeah. so... Yeah. Um, Didn't I hear that everybody's getting a free Galaxy Fold when they show up? You'll have to come and yeah. see. A mysterious donor. <laughs> a phone for you and a phone for you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, no. No, I um, think it's the Nokia brick phone everybody gets. So. StarTech. Star <laughs> hey, that was a pretty cool phone. That was Flippy. a good phone. That was a good phone. Hey, some other things we've got going on soon is we've got Serve Midlow coming up, which is going to be such a cool event. If you were with us last year, you know um, 
how neat it was to go out and serve the community in Jesus name. And that's going to be May 18th. It's going to start at 8 a.m. on a Saturday morning. We're going to wrap it up around one with lunch together. Um, We're talking about just some of the cool things God did. So definitely sign up for that. We got some cool promos for that. Yeah, we do. So keep an eye out on Facebook. Um, And this weekend we're launching our new website. So you're going to want to check it out. You can actually go to the website to uh, watch us live and uh, on Sunday mornings, which is cool. And uh, also be sure to hop on over on Facebook. So you Facebook. can go to the website to watch us live instead of going to Facebook? Correct. Correct. I mean, that's, it's That's pretty both. cool, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Should they do that at 10 o'clock? <laughs> 9 and 10.45. Okay. All right. Yes. Okay. okay. That's when right. we'll be live. I'm just asking. So, because there's two services on Easter. <laughs> What's amazing you is here. you know somebody who's going to listen is still going to get it wrong. <laughs> and come in at 10 and be like, what is going on? So uh, also check out on our on the Facebook page, our Kindred 360 Facebook page. Um, you can go there and we're selling some really cool uh, shirts. If you haven't seen them, I think we're going to have some photos up um, and you can order them and uh, make sure you can follow that page. Stay up to date on what's going on with uh, the podcast. And and uh, also the last thing I want to let you know what's coming up. You were never going to be done. <laughs> The last 14 things I want to tell you about what's going on <laughs> at Kendrick. No, on uh, April 24th, next Wednesday, we have our really special Passover event with Ari Haubin. And so we hope that you'll definitely come to I'm this excited. event. I'm hey, so excited about this. Let's Facebook live that. I was just going to say, can we let's do yeah, Facebook live we'll that, do that too? Okay. Yeah. And let's Facebook live. Maybe we'll do a question and answer or you know, we'll do a video of questions. You answers, can, like you can uh, respond with your questions while yeah. someone who monitors yeah. it. Yeah. So that way you can't idea. make it to the event. Um, and so maybe you couldn't find a sitter or something else. Um, you can still be, participate in the question and answer time with Ari. Going to be a great so day. I'm ex- super excited about the event. It's six 30 next Wednesday night. Make, make every effort to be there. If you, if you have to, uh, team up with a couple other young couples to get babysitters and things. Make every effort, husband and wives both, to be there. You guys will be enriched. Your spiritual life will be enriched. You'll really enjoy Ari. Um, you probably saw the video that we showed. You can see he's just a genuine, genuine man. Yeah. And I love the dude to death, and you will too by the time you get done hearing him. Yeah. So, so that's what's going on at a Kindred this month and next. It's a lot. Well, I'm excited about it, and this weekend's a big weekend, and I want to say we invite all of you, all your neighbors, bring them out, and um, they will thoroughly enjoy the day. If they have kids, I'm telling you, their kids are in for some really neat surprise. So we'd love to have you. We have two services, 9 and 1045. Can't say that enough. Remember that. Invite your neighbors. Our goal, 200 people, all right? But more than that, our biggest goal is people encountering Jesus because we know... That's where the power is. We love you. We thank you for listening to us today. We're looking forward to seeing you this weekend. Have a fantastic week. God bless. You've been listening to the Kindred 360 podcast. If you would like to hear more, be sure to check out our additional podcast, Extra 360. And be sure to subscribe to the Kindred 360 podcast to stay up to date with our most current episodes. We want to thank you for listening today and have a blessed week ahead.